0: Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts um, in all of our homes and all the places where we are uh, be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. We are within sight, Of Jerusalem. As we head into Holy Week, Jesus has just a half mile to go. He's been preaching and teaching, and now as he rides his colt into Jerusalem, the city of God, the people say, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. It's not the first time we've heard these words. 33 years before, a bunch of scraggly shepherds in a field by night saw the sky light up above them and heard glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom God favors. For three years now, Jesus has been walking all over Judea and Galilee and Samaria and behind him has flowed this peace and this glory. His mom had sung a song over him when she learned she was pregnant, and that song has come true. Jesus has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich have gone away empty. He scattered the proud and lifted up the humble. He's extended mercy From heaven to earth and back to heaven again, glory and peace have flowed back and forth. The glory of God is truly among us. But, you know, all of this talk about peace and glory is about a king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, the people say. Now, as an American, and as an American who has watched the King George bit in the musical, The Hamilton, I'm a little skeptical of Kings. For those who haven't seen a Hamilton, this is what King George sings to those troublesome tea-chucking colonists. And I'm not gonna sing it, but he goes, you say the price of my love's not a price that you're willing to pay. You cry in your tea, which you hurl in the sea when you see me go by. You'll be back, soon you'll see. You'll remember you belong to me. You'll be back, time will tell. You'll remember that I served you well. Oceans rise, empires fall. We have seen each other through it all. And when push comes to shove, I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. Yup, da, 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 da. That's just for you Hamilton fans out there. Um, we have a right to be skeptical of kings. Behind kings lie fully armed battalions to remind us of their love. Also as 21st century citizens, we have Charles and Diana and Fergie and Andrew and William and Kate and Harry and Meghan. The curtains have been pulled back in the world's most visible monarchy. Television and social media have meant exposure, even of people in the most privileged of places, our modern day holy of holies, and for every royalty that has integrity and courage, there seem to be seven pretty backstabbing ones. And then another one that looks to be about downright morally abhorrent. The shines faded a bit for kings. Royal glory is looking more than a little thin in 2021. Now Israel in the year 33 or so CE was also a little jaded on their kings. Their kings were more or less puppets of the Roman Empire. They weren't anything you'd point out to your child and say, I hope you're like King Herod when you grow up. Israel's kings had let Israel down, but Israel also had a promise. God had promised God's people a faithful king, a king who would fulfill what a king was supposed to be servant of the people. And that hope was planted deep in Israel's heart. The hope for something more than the pettiness, the violence, the wickedness, the betrayals, small and large of their kings. Jesus had taken that spark of hope and turned it into a flame. But not all of Israel's hearts have been lit on fire for Jesus' sake. As Jesus goes up to Jerusalem amidst palms and joyful shouts, there is a group of Pharisees, not all the Pharisees, but some of them who stand there skeptical of Jesus. Now here's the interesting thing. Pharisees were no fans of their Roman overlords. They were separatists. They were against assimilation into the Roman empire. We as Mennonites know separatism, but apparently, separatism isn't enough to save you. Apparently, just being separate from empire still isn't enough to recognize God when God shows up among you. Saving yourself for God. Setting yourself apart for God apparently isn't enough to recognize when God shows up among you full of peace and glory. The Pharisees were faithful. They were committed, but still they didn't recognize Jesus. They called Jesus a teacher, which in the book of Luke, when people call Jesus teacher, they're still considering Jesus from a distance at arm's length, unsure of him. See, all of these things, these holy things, these separate set apart things, the Torah, God's word, what it means to be a Jew, God's people, Jerusalem, God's holy city. Jesus is taking all of these things that are the living core of faith and rebranding them. Listen to Wikipedia's definition of rebranding. Rebranding is a marketing strategy in which a new name, term, symbol, design, concept, or combination thereof is created for an established brand with the intention of developing a new differentiated identity in the minds of consumers, investors, competitors, and other stakeholders. Often this involves radical changes to a brand's logo, name, legal name, images, marketing strategy and advertising themes such changes typically aim to reposition the brand slash company. Jesus is repositioning what it means to worship the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus is changing the image of what it means to be Israel's king. See, Here's the difference between Jesus and the religious leaders who are trying to quiet Jesus' followers. The difference is Jesus served. Jesus, who is God, who is the Lord, has more right than anyone to be honored and served and looked up to. And instead, Jesus washes the people's feet. He heals. He sees those who have been excluded and brings them in. This is Jesus' rebrand of kingship. King Jesus doesn't try to ensure only positive messages are told about him, he doesn't try to burnish his image or offer bread and games. Instead, Jesus will be silent before his accusers. You know, Jesus isn't really (laughs) rebranding. See, rebranding is just putting a new face on an old institution. Maybe the marketers are new, but the president and the vice president and the managers and the employees, they're all the same. The whole point of a rebrand is to make sure the company doesn't fold. (laughs) Jesus is folding the company Jesus is folding the company into his very self. Jesus is bringing everything into his body. The company is Jerusalem. The company is God's people, Israel. Jesus is folding Israel into himself. It's what the church father origin called the auto basileia. Roughly translated, it means the kingdom in a person. Jesus is pulling all people toward him, into him. I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in Jesus. When Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, he is going to take Jerusalem captive. He's not there to uphold the way things have been. He's not there to make sure the seminary professors and the preachers and the Bible study teachers get to keep their jobs. He's there to make sure they are doing their jobs. Jesus is repositioning Jewish identity around himself. This rebrand is a radical rebrand. It's more than a rebrand, it's more than a restructuring, it's a redoing, a recreating. Jesus is redefining what it means to be king. Jesus could call down the fully armed battalions from heaven, but he doesn't. He could require the people to serve him grapes on a platter, but he doesn't. He could march up to Herod and snatch that crown right off his head, but he doesn't. Jesus, the healer of our every ill, the light of our tomorrow, comes riding in on a donkey, meek and humble in heart. Jesus, God, the creator of heaven and earth here with us in the flesh, instead continues walking toward Jerusalem knowing that the peace and glory of heaven and earth will cost him his very life. He does this because he loves us. He does this because he's committed to us. He does this because we are sheep who have had bad shepherds, bad Kings. He does this because God wants us. Let me say that again. God goes up to Jerusalem and to his death because God wants to be with us. You know, this week is a holy week. It's a separate week, a week set apart. And it's set apart because there has never been another week like this in the world, a week where this Sinless God chose to die for sinful humanity. Jesus, who didn't consider himself equal to God, but humbled himself unto death, even death on a cross. This is a divine rebrand. It's a rebrand that folds us into Jesus, holds us into God, brings us back home where we belong. On Friday, we will remember Jesus' death It's the day when the curtain is fully pulled back on the divine monarchy, on who God is. And there's no pettiness, no cruelty, no evil. The curtain is ripped in two, and we see God for who God is. The God who loved the world so much that God gave us God's only son, Jesus So that whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are, you can have eternal life. Behold Jesus, the Nazarene, King of the Jews, the King, maybe even we Americans can get behind. Amen.